they were very connected to the fans and that was like one of the first groups that sort of did that, you know what I mean? And they had a like really strong hardcore following, all like loads of a whole gang of us from my our school. We all went uh, you know, regularly and it was all about that. Everything was about that group. They were like the main group at that time, you know. They were really underground at the time and we were all at school and that was like we used to follow sort of religiously the uh, what was called the underground music scene at the time. It was like kind of like sort of the end of the 60s and start of the 70s, you know what I mean? And new things coming in and they were like a like an underground band first in that their first uh I'll tell you what, we just hit two hundred thousand on this one today. We'd like to do a number for you called Roll Away the Stone. Welcome everyone, this is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all here. And, uh, you know, let's just get right to it. I'm talking, I, we've already checked out our levels and they are both pros, so I think they're going to sound good. So I'd like to welcome all the way from Chicago, formerly of the Chicago band Big Hello, right? Big Hello, but yes. now the Handcuffs. Their latest release is Burn the Rail. And, uh, and it's awesome. And I'm talking to Brad Elvis and Chloe Orwell. So welcome to the show, Brad and Chloe. Hello, thank you. Hello, hello. So, uh, yeah, so I saw Burn the Rails just, uh, just came out, right? Yeah. June 5th, um, almost Ian Hunter's birthday. Ah, okay. You know what's funny? In doing this and in doing my homework, I realized me and Ian have the same uh, birthdays. That's my birthday, too. <laughs> ah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, so you're a Gemini, which I think, Je- I think Brad, you should leave. Ah, I'm a, okay. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> and, and in doing a little homework, I saw... There's another really cool connection that you guys have with Mata Hoople that I didn't uh, realize till just recently, just like a couple of days ago. I was reading about What's you that? guys. About your release and the, who you worked with. Wait, what? Oh, Morgan. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> yes, you were totally, I'm like, wait, did, did I get that wrong? <laughs> no, you're totally right. I thought he was talking about applesauce or something. I didn't know. <laughs> Ma- the applesauce. Yes. Um, yeah, brand new album, Burn the Rails on Pravda Records and uh, the handcuffs. And-, and yes, Morgan Fisher is a guest um, keyboardist on our record uh, from Mapahupo. Amazing. Stuck for a Played on this record, yeah, that we're gonna uh, talk about. So, all right, so let's get uh, spoiler alert. Let's get out there. What are we talking about? What's the album we're talking about? It's called Mata the Hoople. The Hoople. That's kind of it's their final album as Mata Hoople, and uh, it's uh, 
we love Mata Hoopa. We love all their albums, but this one might be our favorite. Um, I wish they would have continued, but uh, we chose this one to talk about. We're hoping that this podcast prompts them to do another album together. Yeah, well, Ian's still As around. I, I saw that. I'm always, I'm always wary when I go to their page and I'm seeing, and I don't, but I see Ian's uh, still around. And um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we'll get into it. Why you guys chose this one? Because in in reading, especially when it first came out, initially some people were uh, disappointed with this record, and it didn't necessarily get that good re- reviews at first. Wow. Yeah, I I bought it when it came out. That's uh, I mean, my dad bought it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say 1974. You are dating yourself a little bit. So this. Yeah, uh, he doesn't mind. Yeah, I dated. <laughs> no, I dated myself once and. <laughs> I did. I didn't get along, but uh, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's really a spectacular album, and you know, I, I collect records and uh, things like that. And it's funny how nowadays a lot of the albums that you just they couldn't give them away that were in cutout bins that are nowadays are like really collecting right, right, It's brilliant, right. and it was, it was ahead of its time, and you know. And I was like, how much is this thing going for? A hundred dollars? You couldn't get rid of that thing back in the day, you know? Right? Yeah. And just for the record, I did not buy this record when it came out. Okay, Chloe. Because I <laughs> probably didn't exist. All right. So we've established that Chloe's much younger than Brad. Oh, my God. So much younger. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, incredibly. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, a, you know, that's good to get it out there. We just want to put it out there. Um, yeah, well, one thing I've learned uh, in because in, I've never I, I, I came to Mata Hoople late, much later in the game. I always heard about them. And then but whenever I dive into uh, Mata Hoople, I'm always like, oh, my God, these guys are great. They're fantastic. I, I love them. But uh, I'm, and, and the same this this record, I never really dove into until doing this. And then again, once again, I'm like, oh, my God, this record is unbelievable. It's fantastic. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's produced great and great songwriting, great performances all the way around. It's really together. It was their peak. And then it's like, ah, oh, we're going to split up after this. Well, so. yeah, I guess Ian, uh, when this is when after this, Ian went solo, right? Yeah. And uh, with Mick Ronson, who was after this album for literally like a month or two. Oh, OK. <laughs> you know, he he was in Mata Hoople and uh, I don't know what happened, but he Ian at that point was like, I'm off to do solo stuff. And uh, and then him and Mick were together till the end, you know. Right. And, uh, and, and full disclosure, I'm a huge, even even though I love Luther Grosvenor, a.k.a. Ariel it Bender. Twister. It was Ariel Bender, um, but uh, full disclosure, uh, Mick Ronson is my favorite uh, deceased guitarist. So, but yeah, I do love Luther too. So. 
okay, so all right, Luther, uh, aka like you said, Ariel Bender, which we should yes. say. So this, even though this was their seventh, but this was the first. This was the one when uh, Mick Ralphs uh, left, right, to form yes. a, a bad company, and then uh, so we get this other guy who. How did he get the name? I read it was kind of funny how they how he got the name. Wasn't Ariel he uh, walking around like Ben, like being a punky, mm. you know, kind of jerky punk and bending uh, the antennas off of yeah. cars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally, and, so, he was and literally I guess they call them Ariels, Ariels, yeah. and which is pretty great. <laughs> which is this is kind of, and when I was younger and playing in bands way back when, literally in the mid seventies and things, as a young kid, when we would check into the Ma and Pa motels for gigs, they didn't really require IDs and things like that back then, and we were just wild and mess up motels and everything but we would always check in as Ariel Bender did you? oh nice yeah. oh, that is something I can't believe that's a story I haven't heard from you that's amazing <laughs> yeah right. well, maybe wow it's... I thought I've heard them all but I am this is like a red letter day here today oh, okay awesome. I've been a fan a long time so Good story yeah so I, I and and uh, in um in, in listening to this again whenever I dig into it I also realize that Ian Hunter is probably one of my favorite rock and roll singers like one of my all-time favorite rock and roll singers because i love the fact that he doesn't have he doesn't have a necessarily fantastic voice but he has a fantastic rock and roll voice right and and i love how he's pushing he always pushes his voice he sings a lot of his stuff sounds like it's it's literally out of his range right this is so funny i literally have that written down on my notes he sings out of his range all the time and it's freaking glorious it's the, right it's the best it's, 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 so, it's so, so much character it's and, so earnest and like kind of desperate and rock and roll and edgy exactly, and exactly. and you know he a lot of my favorite singers from you know from history and and even currently would never get past you know the first audition on any of these you know not not that there's any wrong with like amazing singers and those TV shows that showcase them those you know competition shows right, right but you right. know Ian Hunter would be like laughed off no he, right you know, of course but, yeah but but course. it's but he's got one of and my it would be favorite, their loss yeah because, you right. know they're missing out on that the, part on of the it. on the attitude and the just the and like I said the earnestness and the and the just character and um I mean it's like it's it's so delicious and it's it's really beautiful in a, in a weird way. It's in that uh, same uh, family as uh, you know uh, Ray Davies or Bob Dylan, the or, same thing. You know, you know? Lou Reed, um, yeah, you know, Patty Smith. You know, it's character. Like, there's so much character in the voice that you fall in love with it. Where as if it's just a uh, technically good singer with no soul in there, it's just a completely yeah. different thing. Yeah, so. I would so much rather have an Ian Hunter than someone. You know, and again, there's nothing. There's a lot of beautiful singers that are great. You know, Aretha Franklin, amazing voice, right, right, gorgeous, right, right. soulful, wonderful, but you know, completely different thing. But, um, you know, not everybody has to sound like that you right. know, to be a good rock and roll singer. So, all right. So before we get into the songs, one thing I was reading, uh, a lot of the reviewers, like especially Rolling Stone gave it a really bad review, like kind of a crappy uh, That doesn't review. surprise me. Yeah, just <laughs> assholes. But uh, one thing they didn't appreciate was the theatricality of songs like Marionette and Through Looking At. And it's like, that's one of the things I like love about it is like, it's so theatrical, you, you know? It's so funny because we could have almost like discussed this beforehand, but we, we I not. assure yeah, the audience we did not. Because I, like one of my other notes up here is like, this whole record could almost be like a, like a musical 
on like a stage musical, yes, right, uh, exactly. like a really good rock and roll stage musical before they, you know, they kind of make it all saccharine and for the masses. Um, Each song really has a purpose. Yeah. And it album. really, I'm like listening to it, envisioning that they're doing this on stage, like as a story, as a musical and, and there, and the theatricality of it is kind of brilliant because it, it definitely, you, you hear stories, you hear like the progression and like Marionette could be like a symphony with many movements in yeah. some ways. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And the handcuffs new album, even though we really worked at sequencing and then the songwriting, you know, we've actually had people bring that up to us about our record, how it's like, God, this record, the way the sequencing is fantastic and the way the songs, it's almost like it's a concept album or something. And we had never really thought of it that way, but right. it kind of is. And it's probably because of being influenced by things like the Like Google this. Album. I mean, I don't think we did that purpose. You know, on purpose, but it sort of ended up that way. And we're like, oh, that's kind of cool that that stuff was in our subconscious when we were yeah. you know, putting it together. Well, that's funny. Yeah, we had a conversation recently. I just did an episode on Fountains of Wayne where the guest, uh, Steve Loudon, was sort of, sort of to him, it, it was a concept album, but that's that's what happens. Sometimes you make a record in a band and it doesn't necessarily have that in mind, but when someone hears it, the listener sort of puts it all together and to them, they, they kind of make it into a concept. And yeah, you yeah. can definitely see that for this. Yeah. Yeah. For this record. All right. So the one other thing I wanted to ask you, because you two are a couple and we've already established Chloe's much younger than Brad. So, Brad, you <laughs> you were into, you were a fan of Mata Hoopa, but Chloe, were you a fan or did, did Brad expose you to Mata Hoopa or were you already a fan? I mean, I had already been exposed because I have older siblings who had a and who had the way. Older. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're just like had a great record collection. So All I'm really right. lucky. I'm, I'm the youngest of three of uh, four kids. And even my parents had a pretty great record collection. So I, I was were already, my younger friend. I was at already the time. a I was already a fan. What? Wait, what? I said, your parents were my younger friends on, on, no, I'm, on the block. Oh, Jesus. But um, I... Um, yes, you can borrow my bike. But he. But I will say I probably was more exposed to Mata Hoople after meeting Brad. Right. Because I also come from like a... My background also is like a jazz background. Um, I like played saxophone before I picked up guitar. And, um, and so, of course, like any album that has saxophone in it... Uh, you know, so that's why, like, I kind of fell in love with Bowie. I fell in yes. love with, yeah, right. You know, things, uh, t you know, some T Rex stuff, um, Roxy music. I fell in love with that stuff because there were saxophones, the waitresses. Oh, okay, okay. You know, saxophone, and um, so Mata Hoople was one of those bands because, like, ooh, there's saxophones, and like, oh wow, you right. can actually play rock and roll saxophone. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Like, so saxophone yeah. was your uh, gateway, yeah, into rock and roll drug. from jazz, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, my gateway drug. Because I mean, I really want. Although it's funny, I say gateway drug because the the, the the artists that I listened to growing up and wanting to aspire to be, um, you know, were like, they, you know, the rock and roll pe people had nothing on those guys because those guys were like all heroin addicts and stuff. So, right, right. You know, true, speaking true, of rock true, and, you know, yeah. the drug. Yeah, not so a I'm contest. Thinking, though, yeah, I listen to Charlie it, Parker. You guys contest. think you. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so. But yeah, but I, I think I will say that Brad was was very influential in my um, sort of discovering how amazing glam rock was and things like Mata Hoople. Right. 
And and also we should mention they were influential. Like they were they were the band that a lot of like later like uh, punk people we love and the Clash and everything. They were all huge Mata Hoople fans. Like Def, David, David Def Bowie, Leopard, they um, all were. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Def Leppard, you can I can so hear Mata Hoople influence in Def Leppard. Right. Right. right like right. every song I'm listening to, I'm like, oh god, I hear that. Oh god, I hear that. <laughs> that early yeah. So, um, I, had, yeah. I had I had someone, uh, gosh, I saw a couple of years ago, somewhere someone was saying, uh, someone played uh, off the, another one of my big favorites, the Mouth of Hoople album, Brain Capers album. It's one with the big red cover on it. And okay. See, one of the first songs on there is Death May Be or Santa Claus, which is this great song. song i think a uh, hundred punk songs were written from that you know or oh right how many, right how, how many sex pistol songs were written from those chords in the death maybe your santa claus and then i put it on i think god you're right it's, it's, so all those guys clash and all those guys like yeah we're gonna go see about the hoople you know yeah and Bowie was a big fan because he like saved them. He said, "No, you're not going to break up. I got right. this song for you." Yeah, right. And and it's funny in in going through this record, you hear like I'll hear little bits of Bowie, but then you want uh, you know, then I'm thinking, well, but but who came first? Obviously, because Bowie was obviously so influenced by them, and then and then probably later on they they grabbed onto Lou Reed and David Bowie themselves too. That you know, Ian Hunter as a songwriter, I'm sure was influenced in a way by them later on too. You know, so I know as I was doing my homework for this and you know i've listened to it a million times but i wanted to listen and actually just like you know headphones and really hone in on things and as i'm listening i keep going to brad hey who came first was it this lou reed song or was it exactly right because i'm like trying to figure out who influenced who on these things right yeah i I think their first album was like 69 or 70 or something like that yes right 69 yeah so they were you know early but then uh yeah like you said they were almost gonna break up and then david bowie wrote all the young dudes They finally got got a breakout, but never, you know, never became huge, but uh, influ- so influential and so, so just so rock and roll. So, yeah. all right. Speaking of that, let's get into the first track. Uh, if 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 this is a rock and roll musical, this is a perfect opener oh. to the musical, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I kind of wish someone would put this record on stage. Um, you know, but not like, but not dumb it down. Just no, do not it, like that. I mean? Not like that horrible hair of the eighties. Uh, yeah, uh, right. Rock of, well, not they, like Rock of Ages. Right. Well, um, they kind, <laughs> they kind of, uh, they kind of did a theatrical when they did the tour. They had you know the marionettes and things hanging down 
Oh, okay, nice, nice. Over the stage and uh, puppets and puppets, puppets, puppets and, uh, as Ian would say, talking puppets. So anyway, it was a little theatrical in their mind, but it basically just because of marionette, they just had those things. You know, it was done uh, on the cheap, but the point was made. You know, yes, right. All right, so let's listen to the opening track, "The Golden Age of Rock and Roll." and roll right uh, yeah man the thing that's so great too is uh, well first of all it's really funny because in the liner notes on i mean we have the vinyl sitting here but we also have it on cd which has bonus tracks but on the on the liner notes on the on the cd it says the guy it says ladies and gentlemen the golden age of rock and roll and it says uh it says introducing Dan Loggins as Alan Freed, and <laughs> it, which is actually pretty funny. And I mean, I guess everybody can look up who Alan Freed is, but apparently Dan Loggins was their production supervisor. But I just kind of love that's so that's so Ian cheeky. Right, know? right, just right. Right away in the in the first uh, in the first verse, uh, everybody hazy, shell shocked, and crazy, screaming for the face to window. Jeans for the genies, dresses uh, for the dreamies. So, uh, Gene Jimmy, uh, David Bowie on uh, Aladdin Sane came out the year before. So there he is yeah. already, even though you know he's picking up a little uh, a little thing from uh, Bowie there. I love that. Um, I love that these songs. This song is a really good example of it, where it's like the the piano is like almost the main comping instrument, not a guitar. Rock right. and roll music, you think of guitars as the comping instrument, doing the rhythm. It's like Morgan Fisher, man, just doing that great like saloon piano, rhythmic, uh, super rhythmic, keeping it just chugging along. Um, those honking saxophones, kind of a Jerry Lee Lewis, not necessarily Little Richard, but more Jerry Lee. Yeah, Lewis. totally. Right. right. And, and also, I love how uh, the lead, Ariel Bender. So why don't we know him, Ariel Bender? But what did you say? What's his actual name? <laughs> Luth, Luth, it's uh, Luther. Uh, Grovesner. It's a, yeah, Just Ariel. Ariel, Ariel. It's Ariel Bender. There you go. can't like that. I Come love on. how his lead uh, almost sounds like a uh, scratch track. Like it could almost be like a scratch lead, you know, because a lot of his playing isn't perfectly precise on this record, but that's also part of the charm and what I really like about it. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, especially if you listen to the album uh, after this from the tour, the live, live album, which yeah. is phenomenal. But he's just like, what is this solo? It's just like, right. like <laughs> it's almost just like, 
they just like let it, let him out of a box all of a sudden, you know. And yep. it's and I love it because I kind of hope it was like the scratch. I hope they're like I'm just gonna scratch, the, you know, do a scratch solo when we're when we're recording this, you know, live as a band. And then they were they all kind of probably looked at each other and said, "Hell no, that yeah. wasn't the scratch solo. <laughs> that was fuck amazing. it, leave it. Yeah, exactly. It's so it is, and it's also so perfect for the golden age of rock and roll because rock and roll is is a little sloppy and a little and a little dirty and a little edgy and a little like off kilter. Yeah, and you know? also it wasn't your typical right. Oh no, right, right. exactly. You know, exactly. It's like it's been done a thousand hundred million times. I mean, he might have been a good fit to uh for Roxy Music as a Phil Manson era by just doing the feedback and making noises, you know, mm -hmm. even Phil's a great guitar player also, but Roxy uh utilized a lot of that stuff and uh and Luther's kind of outside the box that way, I think. So. And I like that. Uh, and I like that it's like he he's so bendy in his notes too. That I love that it's like Ariel Bender almost. Has oh like yeah, a, right, like right. A, like another <laughs> meaning because it's almost like Ariel, sort of like the the amplification is all bendy and you know it's pretty. Well, it's, it's kind of cool. funny when I when I was younger, uh, my friends. Uh, I never got to see him back in the day, but my musician friends would go see oh we went up to chicago to see him and uh, i lived downstate this time and uh i was such a huge who fan at the time you know and pete's jumping all over the place but uh they would go oh you would love ariel bender he's kind of the anti-pete oh really uh, where, where pete is like always leaping about he said ariel's he's like mm, does he's like bendy and then down real close to the ground moves and slinking around the stage. So it kind of fits his plane, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, nice. absolutely. And it's like, and if you see a lot of pictures like that, when he, he does do that kind of like, oh, okay, I get it now, you know. Right. And it also, it's got that great uh, Hunter vocal performance. I didn't play the, I'll play a little bit of the bridge part. I'll add it in. When he goes to the bridge, that's when he really the, d does that out of his range. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it so much. All right, so uh, now we get the next track. And again, his voice, again, barely reaching the upper register in this one. This is another really theatrical-sounding one. Let's listen to Marionette. Now, 
<laughs> also, I just want to mention the greatest laugh in rock and roll. You know? Oh, right. The yes. greatest. <laughs> like, just the greatest. Yep. And uh, now as songwriters yourselves, I, something I'm always amazed at when I, uh, the way Ian Hunter writes songs, it isn't like a regular normal rock and roll song, right? Where there's like a verse. Yeah. <laughs> B verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Like this again, this is like a, this is literally like, not literally, I'm saying that wrong. This is figuratively a symphony with movements. Right. It's right, like right. there are different movements in this and he, yeah, this song was so, I, it's so catchy to me, but it's so anti, anti-pop, this song. Yeah, Even yeah, because it's, it's so like, catchy. It's got these parts he writes, yeah, like you said, these movements. They're like these little yeah. parts of the song that you wouldn't, it's not like someone's going to sit down on an acoustic and play this for you. It's got to no. be sort of put together the way it is. Like, yeah, you can't go and like, oh, I'm going to do like an acoustic show and play some covers and I'm going to play marionette. You're not even uh, yeah, going to. You'd really no. have to. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> you'd I mean, really I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love to hear someone do that. Uh, yeah, they, re- they would have to re, uh, re- reinvent it. Re- reinvent it, reimagine yes. it. Sure. I remember um, back in the day I was reading, uh, I think it was maybe Cream Magazine or could have been Circus. I'm not sure. It was a, the two big popular cool mags at the time back then and uh the album had just come out and they were interviewing him and ian is kind of describing stuff and it's still stuck in my head i remember as he goes he goes then there's marionette he said uh, uh, it's basically tommy in five minutes oh nice (laughs) yeah yeah like i said super theatrical and also the saxophone we should mention Howie Casey playing uh, sax there. Great saxophone. Uh, it's um, it's so... Howie Casey. Yeah, and then also there's another guy that also plays, uh, he plays some tenor and saxophone jock somebody who I've never heard of, but, um, but which doesn't mean anything, doesn't it? But um, their, their, like, counterpoint, the this, it's just so, it's so, like, orchestrated. Yeah, It's yeah. so... Um, it's so cool. It's so it it sort of chugs along like it's almost like the saxes are part of like the rhythm section. And they're very beatly produced. Yeah, they're like super compressed, compressed. and tight and, and Savoy truffle horns, you know. And it, yeah. And uh, um, okay, okay. And then and it, and speaking of the rhythm section, I think we we would be remiss if we didn't mention how incredibly together and tight these guys are. You know, may they rest in peace, or may they rest in power, or rest in rock and roll. Yeah, there's um, no click tracks back then. This is right, they're right. they're like it just it just drives it, and and it's just it's it's so together. Um, and everybody everybody in the band is like that. But I mean, these guys together were powerful rhythm section man, Dale and Oprend. Yeah, they toured a lot. They played live. There's there's a whole bunch of live uh, releases from them. But yeah, they were a machine yeah. at this point. They were a rock and roll machine. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah and I love that they. Um, you know, they played so much, they played so much for the song. Like they were, they, you know, yeah, a lot of, right. a lot of times, you know, you know, drummers and bass players get overlooked because, you know, you don't, because they're, they're not like the, you know, they're not like the lead instrument. They're not, but, but, but that's the greatest thing about a good rhythm section is that if they're, it's sometimes if you don't notice them, that's why they're so great. 
Right, you know? right. And you actually have to stop and pay attention and you realize, oh, okay, they're uh, going for you, it. They're really going you, for it too. And then you hear the bass line and you're like, why didn't I notice that? Because exactly. it's so good in it and it works for the song so well, you know? For the song, exactly. Yeah. All right, so this next one, uh, we mentioned Lou Reed and I think there's a little uh, Lou Reed connection here, but let's listen to it first and then we could discuss. Sure. Let's listen to Alice. I actually have that in there and also Dylan a little bit. Of course you do, bit. of course you yeah. Now Alice needed money, I put $10 on the breeze. She must have been at least a bottom high She was the 42nd beat on 42nd Street With all her golden ambitions and dead rhinestones in her feet And when a stranger said she sucked She just smiled, believed in luck As she climbed into his truck to make a look All right, so uh, go ahead. Lou Reed, uh, discuss. So it's sort of Lou Reed-esque. Also, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking so much. Do you want to say something? Oh, I'm fine. I'm just eating my oatmeal here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also I also sort of noted that there was, it was sort of like Lou Reed meets Dylan, both lyrically and uh, the way he's delivering the song as the storyteller. Right. Also, I feel like Alice, You Remind Me of Manhattan is one of the coolest lyrics ever in the history of lyrics. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why, but it just strikes me. I can visualize everything about that. I, I'm trying to visualize what Alice looks like, but I, I feel like if she reminds him of Manhattan, right? why? And I want to figure out why. And it's just, the, it's a really great lyric. I so, feel, I, um, and I feel like it's even better. There's something about British people singing about New York too, that I, yeah. <laughs> that I really like. Because the, the the thing is, all right. So Lou Reed, when, when reading the lyrics, uh, uh, Lou Reed would write a, a song like this, but it would he would make it sound sorted. It would just be more sorted and bleak. But the yeah. way Ian uh, delivers it, it's got more of this theatric, grand theatrical spin on it, you know? I agree. You could almost see him gesturing as he's singing. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Um, I was just going to say, um, well, you know, Ian based his whole vocal thing on Bob Dylan. And I read a number of years ago a story about, uh, what was, I can't think of their guy, Stevens. Who's that? Was their first producer. Oh. And he kind of put the band together. Oh, okay. He, he had this vision and he was just this mad crazy guy. I think the clash ended up using him at some point because uh almost like a Malcolm McLaren, only not yeah, as not as an opportunist. Right. They were such Matha Hoople fans. But Ian went to this audition and a guy Stevens uh said uh, he goes, okay, you're going to be the singer. He goes, I'm not a singer. I came here to play piano in the band or, or guitar or whatever it was. And he goes, no, no, you're going to be the singer. He goes, I can't sing. You're going to sing. He said, just imagine Dylan or Dylan meets blah, blah, blah. And that's how that came about. He said, okay, oh. no, you're the, you're the singer. He goes, what? And so that's how he became the singer. 
and uh, and then he as they, legend has it. Yeah. That really, you know what? That makes sense, and I and it, I feel like an idiot because I never made that connection. Because the way he draws out the words and the way he draws it out, yeah, that is Dylan. But it's just obviously he's got a voice that's different than Dylan's. But yeah, the way he does it, the way he and he, kind he, like, of lyr- draws out lyrically these, too. Yeah, yeah, and um, and he and you know, but he he totally made it his own. I mean, I could, oh yeah, I would right, never exactly. say, oh, they're exactly the same. I mean, Ian discovered he must have discovered his voice right away because he uses it yeah amazingly from the you know, to tell a story and roll and to queen, you know emotions. what i mean you know <laughs> right first right album first you know, album. i love the way he says like why <laughs> you know and like <laughs> um but i also feel like this song i also like musically not just you know like ian you're very important but we gotta get to the other people there's so much of this song that also reminds me of like like a like a Dylan kind of song in like like the organ parts like very um like Al Cooper playing playing on like a Rolling Stone. Oh right, um, right. Kind of kind of like cool and lazy and laid back. Um, that's Morgan, uh, who is just amazing on keyboards all through this record and everything he does. Yeah. Um, and uh, and just like the 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 you like hardly even notice that there's guitar in this song, which is which is kind of amazingly cool. It, it is amazing how much the uh, the keyboards, the piano, the keyboards carry a lot of these songs, and the guitar is maybe just coming in with little flourishes, and it still sounds so so rock and roll so, and so, so heavy, so big yeah. and rock and heavy, and yeah. you know, like the guitar solo kind of comes in at the very end. It's almost like a George Harrison for you blues kind of kind of guitar part and it's just like like it's remarkable that that this song can sound so rock and heavy without without like the guitar being the lead instrument right this, you know all right so now we get uh now we get speaking of the guitars we do have some great guitars in this next one crash oh Street yeah Crit, oh, kids and especially just that uh melodic intro is so awesome let's listen to oh my god crash street kids <laughs> I was going to mention there's some uh, there's some songs in here where 
in the uh, uh, guitars, they do kind of stack the guitars together and do it. And they were tour mates with Queen for a long time. So I'm wondering if they sort of, uh, you know, pick some of that up from them, too. Because you can hear a, a little bits of that, in especially the way orchestrated, the way the, the instruments are orchestrated. Well, when together. they recorded this, Queen only had two albums out at the time. And uh, they were the opening bag. The Queen was opening them. Yeah, well, so maybe it was the other way around then, right? So maybe Queen, which I'm sure they, they had. Well, obviously they were big Mato, right? It's in one of their songs. Uh, now I'm here. They mentioned. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Down in the city, just um, I mean, this song to me is the most sort of New York rock and roll if they were speaking of, you know, I, and I'm wondering if it, it, it comes after that Alice song, Alice, you remind me of Manhattan. And this to me has like a real kind of New York rock and roll feel. A little bit Rolling Stones also who, who right. you know, had like an American feel. You know, they tried to kind of like sound like an American band. But, exactly, uh, exactly. Like yeah. this kind of has like a New York Dolls, Johnny Thunder oh, yeah, kind of feel to me. That's another thing I was going to um, mention. They had to be, yeah, New York Dolls definitely, uh, I, I hear that too. I hear, uh, you know, I, I definitely hear that they were Mata Hoople fans too. Yeah, and then I also hear like a little, uh, you know, and then like, you know, after, you know, post-Mott bands like The Clash and Def Leppard and and like even a little bit of Kiss in this song. Like oh, yeah. Can, Kiss, true. Yes, um, exactly. You know, and I like oh, We that, just had a first album. Up, but yeah. Well, we're saying that all of these bands you're mentioning were influenced, influenced by, by Mott, Hoople, for sure. Yeah, for yeah sure. they were influenced by Mott the Hoople, for sure. And I, and I and I hear it. I hear it in yeah, these songs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In this song in particular. And, you know, I love that there's just like the the... There's like this sort of airy psychedelic bridge with this kind of synthy thing. It just disappears and then the song comes right back in again. And it's yeah, just right, like, right. <laughs> it's it's also one of those weird, brilliant Ian Hunter things. Like yep. okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I gotta mention something which we haven't yet, is that I and a band that was huge at the time in seventy three, especially two, seventy three and seventy four was Alice Cooper. Ah, yes. And uh, oh, Alice. But anyway, oh. Alice Cooper uh, was huge. And I think on this album, the production was very Bob Ezrin. Oh, right. The, yeah. Oh, no. With, with that bam, 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 bam. Agree. Yeah, I totally oh. agree. And, if, and he also produced. Uh, Bob Ezrin also produced. Uh, so at the he time, he produced the Kiss? Be, yeah. I was, yes. was going to say, so if you think about Shout It Out Loud. Orchestrated, and I think it was just because it was man. We need a big sound, you know, billion dollar baby. It's a great production, you know, right? Whatever. Right. And, and I just want to mention that stupid uh, Rolling Stone reviewer. He compared this negatively though to Alice Cooper, like saying, "Oh, he's trying to sound like Alice Cooper now," which is like so stupid, uh, to, uh, negative to put a negative spin on that, you know. Well, I I asked Morgan about that, and he said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you right. know. But I don't know. It sounds. What does he know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Um, he, uh, he knows so much. We love him so much. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. So we turn uh, we turn the record over. Now we have bass player Pete Watts taking the lead vocals on this one. So, all right, born late 58. I did the math. A girl born in late 58 would have been around 15, 16. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's just listen to born late 58. Her name was Christine 16. <laughs> Have like based half their career just on that one song. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh my god, um, <laughs> I I can't even I don't even know what to say after that. That was pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love the like slide guitar fade out. It's just so it's just like it's just like it just fades out on that. It's just great. yeah yeah um, right. Um, more more amazing saloon piano. You know like uh, uh, yeah, it's just so it's. I don't know what else to say. That's great. Bend, uh, the bendy guitar stuff. And Buff and the drummer is really good on that with a couple fake out drum fills. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I just love, I love the whole f- false start at the beginning. I I love stuff yeah. like that. And I love it. It just I makes I kind of utilize some of that on our album. Oh, really? Um, nice. A false start on uh, a song called Dancing with the Dandies. I yep. did a false drum intro. Nice. And then uh, keep your, uh, what is it? Big fat mouth shut. That one, which is really a big nod. One of our songs, not theirs. Yeah. That's a big nod to Mother. Ah, okay, okay. I do the buff and breakout drum fill in the middle. Like, oh, is this the end? Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah, which they do. Yeah, there's a a couple of songs on this this, uh, album where they do that. All right, so this next one, we get a really pretty song written for for his wife, Trudy, uh, Trudy Hunter, right? And I did a little research. I mean, there's not a lot about them on online, which is great. Uh, they have this, they have a private life, but uh, I think this year they might be might have been married 50 years. They may be married 50 years. Isn't that year. amazing? Yeah, yeah well, I love that. rock and roll marriages. Who knew? How many stay I mean, together like that? It's I mean, I, and I and listen to the song and almost made me teary eyed, realizing, oh man, they're they're like celebrating their 50th anniversary. You know, it's nice. Yeah, it is yeah. nice. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Trudy's song. Wow, 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 wow,
doesn't have to say She only has to look I think she sees through me Reads me like a book And I'm in love with her And she's in love with me And the love goes sailing on Across the stormy sea Yeah, really nice, really nice. It also has such a Lou Reed feel to me. Yeah. Satellite of love. Yeah. Kind of oh love. yeah, yeah. Which is also, which is also, Satellite. which is also a very Bowie vibe, it, particularly that song. It um, is. There's a big Bowie vibe, but then I'm thinking everyone's got to understand. I'm, I'm not saying he's taken for Bowie. I'm saying this is the one of the guys that inspired Bowie and that Bowie took from. You know, it's like. <laughs> well, I'm. I. I would. I would agree with you there. Yeah. Um, Bowie. Bowie. Sort of. Had, um, we were really lucky to have that that Bowie exhibit. Here here in Chicago that I think was only in three cities oh, right, um, in, right. the, in the world. And Bowie sort of admitted like, you know, I, I nicked a lot of stuff from people and I'm, and I made it my own. Oh, he was great and, at um, that. He, he was a genius at that. He yeah, was. And that's, and that's like, I mean, you know, you know, imitation is the, is the sincerest form of flattery. And, um, you know, they, you know, it's not in mean, these guys work together. It's, they all work together. So um, I think right. that's okay. Yeah. And oh, the, yeah back, absolutely. the backgrounds uh, by the thunder thighs, the girls uh, sound very transformer. I agree. Yes. Which well, they, uh, now the, uh, they were the thunder thighs are the, one that sang on uh they, they sang on transformer right oh i think they did yeah they did. That, I mean, walk on the wild a... side that's the uh, thunder yeah. thighs girls yeah oh well, no and wonder then, they um... sound exactly like that so. <laughs> and then go. i good, love uh, good catch <laughs> i love that in this song the intro is so long like the intro is too long it, it takes like its time we, no no you're like right if though. we were recording the song we brad and i would look at each other and go let's get to the fucking point this no no too long, no but, <laughs> but i but but i get i love it because it gives you that tension it's almost like the love song of like you know god when are we gonna kiss and when until are we gonna, right you know, until he yeah, finally it, comes in you think he's gonna keep coming in and he doesn't and then and when he, he finally and does yeah and it's got that like beautiful tension of a love story you yep. know it's I, just it's yep. really brilliant agreed you're right that's perfect it is too long an intro but it's perfect <laughs> But 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 after you hear the song, you're like, oh no, it's it isn't because it finally it kind of resolves it and it's too long. <laughs> and you finally get your relief, you know, yeah. your or your or your climax, you right. know. All right, so this next one, Pearl and Roy, uh, England. Uh, I guess it's partially a commentary, like on the state, how England was, the state of England in the '70s at that time, in the mid '70s. So uh, this is a real British one on a song where they uh, on an album where they reference a lot of American stuff, but this one is a real British one, I think. Let's listen to Pearl and Roy. Oh, 
great chorus, right? It's it's so strange in a way, but it's so great. It's so it's so like well, if you could if you could understand the words, right. it's so sing it's so sing along, and so like you know it's like like a English pub song. Yes, you know? exactly right. That's the, yeah, and I just love just how he pronounces the year nineteen seventy four. Yeah, I know. And you um, hear uh, David Johansson singing it that way. Yeah, right, right. Wow, wow. And I like, it's got a bit of a, like, I could also sort of hear, like, uh, Mark Boland singing the song. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I love the way, again, the slide guitar kind of fades out at the end. You just sort of, like, I, I just, it's just brilliant that they don't feature that, but it's so noticeable because it just comes in at the end and fades out. Right, right. One of my favorite parts is uh, toward the end of the song where it goes into, uh, it just kind of goes into this weird thing and the sax is purposely out of tune and the, the beat changes. Oh yeah, I'm going to play yeah, I'm going to play some of that underneath because I, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah the then it falls right back into the song again. It's just like, it kind of falls apart then falls back into it. And uh, this is actually one of the songs that uh, when uh, Morgan Fisher, we were talking to him about playing on our album, a uh, uh, couple songs. And our song, uh, I'm Happy Just to Dream With You, we told Morgan, uh, one of the things I said, oh, we kind of want this kind of old-timey piano, kind of like what you did on Pearl and Roy. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, he did a, 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 he played a tack piano on it, which where you put tacks on the uh the hammers the hammers oh so Jesus. it has it has a unique sound the beatles did that a lot and everything he told us that later he said oh i played a tack piano on that but uh when the track was finished he did an incredible job on that so you can see where that came from so uh wow that's amazing now real, real quick just tell the story because chloe i was reading did you write a review of a reunion show and and is that how he got i did you guys hooked up i did and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be like al cooper and go oh do i have to tell this damn story again <laughs> no <laughs> he would tell the story of how he played organ on the dylan song um yeah i wrote a, I, we had gone to see the Matha Hoople like 1974 reunion show and it was, you know, amazing. And uh, it was at the Chicago Theater, which is a really great place to see a, a show here in town. And um, and I just written a review just for fun um, and posted it on Facebook. And then and then there was a publication that saw it and said, hey, uh, we'd like to publish your review and we'll pay you. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so I cleaned it up a little bit. I don't mean clean it up, you know, to make it, but I cleaned it up and made it like, you know, wrote it a little, I I extended it and cleaned it up and made it a nicely well-written review and they, they published it. And then that kind of went viral. Uh, They also um, with my byline, uh, you know, mentioned the band I was in. So Morgan had seen it and went viral and he posted it on his page saying, this is one of the best reviews I've ever seen Ah, for our, for our, our tour and it was amazing and then he sort of looked up me and my band and then he found me on Facebook and then we became friends and um and then he became friends with Brad I and mean, he just he's you know I I always kind of say this like be careful when you meet your heroes because sometimes they turn out to just be delightful <laughs> so, yeah well that's um, rare I'm I'm gonna guess that's rare but yeah how awesome is that though that's yeah that's amazing. and he's just he's in fact it's funny because I just got a notification he just wrote me a mess a quick message on Facebook because I said hey today's the day we're doing the we're doing our you know the album that got me high podcast and he was like oh can't wait to hear it so uh nice and he he lives in Japan so he's he's in really? the future right now he's in the future right now so um <laughs> okay yeah but um, he's, he's already yeah. heard it <laughs> 
exactly. No, but so he he that's how oh, we I'm met. reading a review of it right, right. now. <laughs> and that's how we that's how we met. And uh he just he's just this great bloke who yeah. happens to be crazy talented and has become a, a dear friend and um that's awesome. And and we're so lucky to have to have hit it off with him. Um and we're yeah. so lucky to have had him record yeah i would say uh, so. because it's just he just his his stuff is i mean he he also he didn't play over anybody like you know we uh, the couple of songs he played on you know we we discussed it with the band to figure out well you know what songs do you guys think and especially our keyboardist because she's the head of our keyboard section and right right and you know he he just he complimented what she already did so beautifully so of course you know, he true, did right true, of true course music. because yeah he's a pro yeah that's yeah, great exactly <laughs> all right so through the looking this is the most uh, it, it's funny i i was looking i was figuring out hunter was how like how old Ian Hunter was at this point? Thirty-five. So he's already he's singing it like someone wise, like you would think someone even older, you know, because That's he's already so funny. You said that. feeling the, the years. Why? Why is that funny? No, because I was telling Brad in some of these in some of these songs, he's I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, like he's trying to sing it like he's like this like kind of older. Yes, right, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and I, but I love that. There's like so much charm in that. In yes, this, there is, and he's I only just, and I'm thinking he's like he was only 35, and right. it's like yeah, he was singing like uh, I was in my great. late 40s at the time. Well, no, you weren't. Oh <laughs> no, my I god. Wouldn't. No, I keep adding. To what are you like a hundred? I know now? we're gonna get by the end of the show. He's gonna be over a <laughs> hundred. He's like a hundred. You're the like right, two thousand year old when man. Went, when I went to school, they didn't even have history. So yeah. All right. Oh Get Brad his, uh, his medicine. Uh, I think he needs a little of his medicine, <laughs> and then we'll listen to a little bit of Through the Looking Glass. Always fell asleep. It's also overwrought and dramatic, but it's so perfect. How perfect in our made-up rock and roll musical, this is perfectly placed for it, right? A hundred percent. And it's also so, It's I love the quiet loud. Yes, um, yes, yes. Did they, did they invent that? Maybe. I know. I mean, <laughs> yes, like, it makes me wonder. And um, honestly, again, we're we're establishing that Ian, I, God, I, I mean, I love his voice so I love his voice. Yeah, I love right. it with same, every same. fiber of my being. But it's so imperfect. I I could hear him. I want to hear him sing a ballads 
for the next 50 years because they're just, there's, again, there's this earnestness and innocence and imperfection that just, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, I almost, I I think that's his favorite thing to do in some ways, as much as a great rock. All singers like ballads. All the, every album they have, there's two, maybe three ballads on every album. I mean, they're all these great slow songs you know oh what's this you know and then they'll turn around and rock out and go oh there you go right but, no but he's got this ragged it's just like the the raggedness of his voice fits it all so great it just makes yeah it. and like he's like the like the you know the the anti-hero almost of a, of a like you know he's like a, like he's the salesman in the death of a salesman yeah, or right. um you know, yeah and this is the show he's coming out to the front of the stage Stallone does a lone spotlight on him right and he's singing this song yeah and it's he's just great. and he sings like it does like low like the low uh you know pitch that he sings in this song is just um Again, it just like it's it moves me in this really strange way. Everything about this song is. I mean, I don't want to just keep going on about Ian because everybody in the song. No, is, no, uh, Morgan. The, the 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 keyboards in it. The um, just the the work. The, you know, like I said before, the way they it's all put together and the way it's produced is really it, it's really yeah, special. Yeah, and then like the the gentle strings that come in, and then they just like the crescendo of them. You know, be, getting into the loud part, and yep. this French horn at the beginning is like just perfect you know for the era 74 for um you know this album was recorded in january february 74 came out in march so you know that was the uh, peak gigantic area era for rock and roll guitars you know guitar every band you name it black sabbath led zeppelin everybody you know right and um, maybe that's what rolling stone didn't like Whoever reviewed it, they go, oh, there's a lot of piano and horns. Yeah, and stuff yeah, on yeah. You're you're probably right, but uh, I, w- uh, I want to I want to hear all the way from Memphis. I want to hear all the young dudes or whatever right. you know, with a little more rock guitar and. Uh, that's basically yeah. That's basically what they're like. I said, screw him and screw Rolling Stone, right? Yeah. Um. All right. I mean, speak- what, what did they ever do, really, Rolling Stone? <laughs> all right. Speaking of that, though, we get uh, a song uh, very similar uh, to the sounding, uh, which is a great. I love this song, and and I'm kind of I don't know this song is so great that I'm surprised it's not done more covered more. I don't know. Maybe it is. I didn't, I didn't go looking for covers of it, but it's such a good song. Uh, let's, we could talk about it. Let's listen to a little bit of roll away the stone.
Oh, so good. Yeah. Again, singing just slightly above his range, <laughs> <Right>. which <laughs> is just, God, it's so brilliant. It's, it's so magic. good. I don't know why they didn't. I mean, that was the single. I don't know why they didn't. Uh, that should have been like the second song on the album. I know, but but if you're but if we were staging the musical, this has to be I the, know, but, but this I mean, has to be the last song, song, man. Song that, <laughs> it's like on the soundtrack. Such a great sellable song, if you want to call it. I mean, that, I mean, it's definitely the hideous, the hit, the hit song. The hideous, the hit, yeah. hittiest. You know, the you know of of the most the most you know probably I guess the catchiest the song that would be the hit, and it's just you. It's just foot tappable and singable. Um, Yet it's got such a quirkiness, that quirky Mott the Hoople Well, thing. it is quirky. And I don't know, did either of you read, did, did you read, uh, this sounds like a story, like Ian Hunter said this, it almost sounds like a made up story because it's true that uh, how he wrote it, that he wrote it on this uh, cheap uh, piano, this upright piano he had, where he slammed, all the white keys were slammed out of it. So it just had mainly black keys. So that's why there's so many like sharps and flats in it. And supposedly he wrote it. On I that. did not hear that. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to try to confirm that with Morgan. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. I have. We have another. Uh, we did hear this story about um, our band, the Handcuffs. We covered uh, all the way from Memphis. Well, we still cover it sometimes live. at live nice. live shows. Live. Good. I and, was going to um, ask you guys. I was going to ask you guys about that. So and good. so we. And so when we're learning it, we're trying to figure out. We were like, you know, listening to the listening on the record. We're like, there's no way the song is an A flat. They. It must be an A. It must just be like a weird recording where it sounds like right, it's an A right. flat. And. But so we so we learned it an A because we're like, this is not an A. There's no way it's an A flat. And so anyway, when we were talking to Morgan, when we finally met him a few years later, he was like, nope, it's an A flat because he because uh because Ian wrote the piano part on the black keys. And that might be the same. I wonder if it's the same piano. Uh-huh. Um, we're like, oh, no, we're not doing it in the right key. We're like, surely it's just it was just off I think on it the is record. By it, it, right. When I read about it, it said it wasn't only that song that he'd written other songs on it. So you're probably right. That probably so is now, it. Now we All know. Yeah. So it's just sort of funny that just just kids. The song is in A flat, not That's A. Crazy. So. That's crazy. That's um, great. But yeah, this song has a... Um, Again, it's like the the you know this sounds like the hit and the catchy song and um, you know that whole like bri- that talky part in the bridge is again it's it's, it's got like that theatrical that theatrical musical thing where I don't really want to compare it to this but I'm going to it's almost like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh okay okay. Which I'm not a huge fan of. I totally respect it and it's really cool. I mean I love like the weird weird people and the characters and the trans right. you know, the transgender part of it. I love all that stuff. But um aerial bender, not the trans. <laughs> oh yeah. Ah trans. But um but I you know I love all that part of it. But I but it, to me it, it they sort of is sort of again it's one of those musicals where it feels sort of dumbed down to me. But but I feel like this has that sort of feel to it. Which is why I'm like, come on, you guys, do a stage musical of the yeah, people. Yeah, exactly cool. like this. Yeah, okay. Well, you guys may actually have to do it. So I know, but the, <laughs> but the other thing is, I also love like the, the again. This is another song where like the saxophones with their this tight compressed production, but they're but they're almost part of the rhythm section. It's it's just uh, oh yeah. Well, that's a big that's a big uh, Stones thing too. The Rolling Stones would do that with the sax yep. would be part of the rhythm too. And yeah, that's a yeah, big rock and roll. Which, you know, this is uh you you kids. If there's any kids listening to it, this is like what you know how rock and roll was. It, the rock and roll doesn't isn't just like heavy guitars, distorted guitars. You know, you could make right, rock and, and roll and, without any and, of that. 
and some awesome rock and roll is heavy distorted guitars. Right, of course, um, of course. But yes. but but this is but this 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 album rocks and like the production is big, but it's not mushy, which I also love. Oh you know? right, okay. Yeah, it's not reverby Phil Spector. You right, know? it's right. not a wall right. of sound. It's a wall of like just badass. Yep. badassery a wall of badassery yeah so no it's great yeah. and uh i really enjoyed and and you know we didn't mention the cover but i want to mention the cover real quick because it's interesting you mentioned roxy music before mm-hmm. and the girl the uh, carrie ann muller is her and she was also on roxy music's uh first album yes and although she's probably a woman just to correct you fellas Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm not totally kidding. I'm, and I'm, I'm not. She, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna woke you into guilt. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she was on the first Roxy debut there, and um, and also she married and her makeup on this. Is she married uh, Mick Jagger's brother, Chris Jagger. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Look that at you, Mister Fact. I'm you know, <laughs> Mister Rock and Roll Archivist. I'll take nice Chris job, Jagger man. for twenty-five bop. <laughs> All right. So Brad and Chloe, this was great. It really was great. Um, uh, I was excited when you said this record. And I was more excited when I actually listened to it and said, oh, my God. Like I said, whenever I listen to a Mata Hoople record, I'm like, oh, my God, why don't I listen to Mata Hoople more? And uh, so I, I really enjoyed listening to it this past week. Well, we we love this record, too. We love Mata Hoople so much. And um, we thank you so much, Rob, for uh, hosting us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Great and, having uh, you on. So what's going on uh, with the handcuffs? You got what's the best place if someone oh, wants to up. go? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <we> Where, <laughs> Where, where's the best place for people to go? Uh, the, the handcuffs. I know you have the handcuffs.com. They can go to the handcuffs.com. They can go to uh, uh, the handcuffs band camp. Um, Pravda music dot com which is our record label not our record label the record label we're on right um which is a fantastic uh independent label based here in chicago been around for 38 years and they put our record out um so pravdamusic.com is a great place to hear our uh to, to get our record we have some videos out on the pravda youtube channel which are which are great and on one of those videos morgan fisher appears a lot so oh, uh, nice. we made it we made the videos during the pandemic and managed to make them when we all weren't all in the same room. Uh, so our video for She Ain't No Fluffer features Mr. Morgan Fisher. Uh, the lights being what they are, Morgan Fisher appears, eventually appears. Uh, and that's a, that I'm I'm nicking that from an Ian Hunter live thing. Oh, okay, nice. Amata uh, <laughs> Hoople live. Amata Hoople. Well, Ian Hunter says that. The lights being what they are, Morgan Fisher yeah, eventually know, appears. Ah, so okay, good. nice. On keyboards, Morgan Fisher, and then there's a pause. <laughs> the lights being what they are, Morgan Fisher eventually <laughs> appears. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Oh, nice. It's the light guys yeah. asleep up there, you know. Yeah. You so, guys uh, do know your mutt. <laughs> uh, we love them. We love them so much. And um, yeah, the whole band. I will also feel like I want to just mention, uh, of course, Ariel Bender, who played guitar on this record. Ian Hunter, lead singer and probably played guitar. Uh, Morgan Fisher, who played uh, piano, synths and organ. Uh, over and Watts, who is the bass player, Dale Buffin, the drummer, amazing freaking band. Oh, super quick, Mick Ralphs made a appearance of rhythm guitar on the last song. Oh, okay, nice. nice. Uh, original Mountain Hoople so uh, guitar. Yeah, oh, and, good. Um, and then uh, we uh, just uh, we love it, and thank you so much, Rob. And I'll I'll shut the fuck up now. No, that's good. I'm I'm glad you did that because sometimes I forget I do a record and I'll forget. Oh, I didn't even mention the drummer, the whole thing. So I'm I'm glad you. Uh, well, it's interesting. Uh, 
a tie-in that Ariel Bender, Mick Ralphs left and Ariel Bender replaced him on this album. And uh, I read a thing that, you know, Mick Ralphs was on all the other Motley People albums and he wrote his own songs and did a lot of, but uh, Ian said that so a lot of Mick's songs were like, ah, really, I got to sing this, you know? And he would he would get through and do the song finally because it makes sense that he wanted to go off and have a, uh, Oh, what's the guy in um, Bad Company? Uh, Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers. Thing. Oh, yeah, God. there you go. <laughs> but uh, he said, oh, mixed songs are perfect for Paul Rogers. You know? Ah, okay. That's funny. And if you listen to a lot of that stuff, like, uh, what's the first, uh, Can't Get Enough? Can't yeah. Get Enough. No, they are the great. Chord, the chords to that are basically, uh, I think it's one of the boys or... Uh, uh, that bot did many albums before. I go, that's the same chord. That's and funny. And, and, so it's, it's interesting. That's great that he said that because Paul Rogers, obviously, uh, technically a, a you know a better like air quote singer, Paul Rogers. But I feel like Ian Hunter saying that is almost like a backhanded cut. Could almost be like a dig. You know, his songs yeah, are better yeah. for Paul. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's great. Um, I love it. Also, one quick correction. I said our record came out on June fifth. I think it came out on June third. Nice, Ian's birthday. Which is birthday. your birthday <laughs> and Ian Hunter's birthday. So, That's so there you go. There you go, Kismet. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. This is really great. Don't forget, everyone. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at, at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. At Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. And don't forget, most important, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash. TRGMH. I'd appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Brad and Chloe. It was great. You guys were Thank great. You. I really Support enjoyed Ro- this. Support Rob on his endeavors because he's great. Thank there you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all next week. We're out of here. I was up front and then you called me up. And in the end, yeah, I hope we're still friends. <laughs> Not really. Big fat mouth shut. Why don't you keep your big?